Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast with me, your host, Christina Eng. I'm recording this episode super early in the morning. Well, it's not super early, but it's pretty early for me and the earliest that I've ever recorded a podcast episode, I think. It's about 10 a.m. right now, and if you guys know, I do record my podcast episodes pretty late at night in the evening and like 11 p.m. and stuff, so this is fairly new to me. But I am, you know, really high energy right now. I just had my iced matcha, so I'm good to go and ready to record this podcast. I wanted to start off by saying happy November to everyone. Even saying that it's November is still crazy to me because the month of October just flew by so fast, along with every month this year. It was Halloween two days ago, and I hope everyone enjoyed celebrating Halloween, even though we were celebrating in the time of a pandemic. Halloween is honestly one of my least favorite holidays, an unpopular opinion I know, but I don't know, I've just never come to love Halloween, mostly because I'm not a fan of scary stuff. If you know me personally and in real life, you know that I have an irrational fear of the dark and just horror movies, those kinds of stuff. Like, if you seriously left me in a room alone in the dark, I'd probably cry and just scream for help, not even exaggerating. And similarly, if I watch a horror movie, I won't be able to sleep for, you know, an entire week before I forget about it and not have any nightmares anymore. But that's just me. I know some people can definitely relate to that feeling. Um, An image just came to my mind as I was explaining my fear of the dark. You know those TikTok videos of when people turn off the lights in the kitchen or basement um, and then they have to like run back to their room like it's like a race because they're afraid of the dark? That video, like, explains me so perfectly, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I definitely recommend you watching those kinds of videos because they're super hilarious, and that's pretty much what I look like when I turn off the lights to a room, and I have to run to a room with, you know, light, or just people in it, I don't know. But anyway, I think that's, you know, mainly the reason why I don't like Halloween. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. I also never really do anything on Halloween either. Especially this year, I just went upstate for the weekend with my dad and we honestly just hiked the entire day and went without celebrating Halloween. We honestly probably like forgot that it was Halloween, but sorry if you're a big advocate for the holiday. I'm not shitting on it or anything, but I'm just not a fan of it myself. I realized that I missed uploading a podcast episode last week and it was actually on purpose because... I just had a lot to deal with the past week and wanted to take a break from uploading podcast content. But nevertheless, I'm back on here and serving you guys with yet another informative episode. If you can't already tell by the title of today's episode, we are talking about portfolios. When looking back at all of the episodes I've done on this podcast, I realized that I've done so many different episodes on resumes, internships, interviews, and everything related to those topics, but I've never really covered portfolios here um, for some really weird reason. But actually, there are many reasons why I think I haven't covered the topic yet. One, it's hard to show you guys my portfolio on here because obviously you guys are just listening to my voice and not watching a video, so I can't show you guys the actual pieces that are in my portfolio or anything like that. Secondly, and this is one of the bigger reasons, is because Up until the beginning of this year or the last, I didn't really find the need to have a portfolio. And I know what you're all thinking, I'm a Parsons fashion design student and I didn't think it was important to have a portfolio. 
It sounds really crazy, but that is honestly what I used to think. Of course, I had to prepare a portfolio to submit when I was trying to get into Parsons and, you know, other art schools, but at that time, I didn't really take the whole portfolio thing too seriously. I just kind of put a mishmash of images of my work together and, you know, you know, tried to put stuff together that would represent me well in the eyes of the colleges, and sure enough, it did because that is what got me into Parsons. But my point of mentioning all that was because that all led me to where I am at now and how I feel about portfolios. There were a couple reasons why I never really thought a portfolio was important in the past. One of them, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but is due to the fact that when I was applying for internships and even now, they never really asked to see my portfolio. It was always considered optional to show my portfolio or not, and obviously me being the lazy person I am, I didn't want to go through the trouble of putting one together, so I always opted to not submit one. Instead, and what I've been preaching for a long time, I made my resume stand out in a lot of ways. Um, I won't get into all of that resume stuff because I did make multiple episodes about resumes that you guys can listen to and, you know, gain much more information than this episode about it. But yeah, I did see my resume as one of the most important aspects of my applications. I don't know, I feel like it was just really easy to convey all of my personal information and past experiences on my resume and I didn't really think that my portfolio would add anything extra to that. So that's one of the main reasons that I never saw any reason to have a portfolio. I honestly got accepted into so many internships without ever having had to show one. And don't take that as me saying that you don't need a portfolio. I'm just saying that if you do happen to have a really strong enough resume that stands out on its own, then most of your future employers probably won't even ask to see your portfolio. I'm just speaking from experience on that one, but, you know, to each its own. And so all of that that I just mentioned was pretty much in the past because ever since really getting into my final years at Parsons and applying to more, you know, intense internships, it's become clear just how important it was to have a portfolio to show all of my work. And most recently, I'm not going to give away, you know, too, too much specifics about it, but I'm in a lengthy application process for a big internship for the summer right now. And they are looking really heavily into my past work through my portfolio and, you know, like asking me questions about it. I haven't been asked about my portfolio work in such a long time, so stretching those muscles has been an interesting experience for me lately. I'm usually very good in interviews about talking about my past experiences and just about myself, but talking about my work is kind of a new thing for me, so definitely stretching those muscles in a new way. Not that recently, but maybe around a year ago, I made my first portfolio website. Now, I contemplated for a long time about how I wanted to format my portfolio because there are many different formats when it comes to putting together um, a portfolio. You can have a physical format where you just have a lot of pieces on hand and, you know, they're actually tangible, which is what I did for um, high school, I think. Um, you can have a website portfolio, which is what I have and a lot of other people have as well. And there are also some other ones too, but they're not, you know, coming to my mind right now. And I don't think one format is better than the other. The important thing is just having that portfolio to be able to showcase your work in some way. So like I said, I have a website portfolio because I just find it to be the easiest thing to have on hand and to be able to update whenever I want to include a new project or anything like that. A lot of people these days have website portfolios and I can only imagine it's for the same reason that I just mentioned. Also, like now when I do job applications and stuff like that, it's just so much easier to send them my website link and they're able to view my work online because, you know, everything is just so technology-based nowadays. 
Um, and I swear this is not like an ad or anything, but I do use Squarespace to make my website. I've just honestly heard so many YouTubers talk about Squarespace and, you know, how they have a 20% off code. So I just went for it and decided to give it a try. And honestly, it worked out pretty well because I'm still using it. It's just so easy to use and I honestly can't say anything bad about Squarespace. But yeah, I would highly recommend finding someone who is offering a code because getting discounts is always better than paying the full price. Literally every YouTuber out there has some kind of sponsorship with Squarespace, so just find one and you're good. I actually ended up buying my domain name, which is christinaang.com, if any of you want to check out my portfolio. The reason that I decided it was a good idea to buy my portfolio name, the domain, is because it just seems so much more professional. And if you didn't buy the domain name, you'd probably have something along the lines of christinaang.squarespace.com. And that just does not look as professional as christinaang.com, especially if you're sending this website out to industry professionals and future bosses. So I do own christinaang.com and I wish I could tell you guys how much I paid for the domain, but I honestly completely forgot because it was a little while ago. So apologies. But I do know that domain names, uh, the prices, they vary depending on the name because some are more expensive than others based on how easy they are to find and search on the web. Don't ask me why I know so much about domain names, but yeah. Whether or not you have a portfolio that's online and a website or a physical one or just a PDF of your best work, I just wanted to take some time on here to mention the kind of things that I include in my portfolio. So... Personally, for me, my portfolio is not just a link to all of my creative slash design work that I wanted to show my employers. My portfolio to me is like really a culmination of my achievements, experiences, you know, facts about me and other stuff that I want to tell a story about the kind of person I am. And I would highly advise you guys to, you know, put some personality into your portfolios and really make yourself seem well-rounded because at the end of the day, your future employers are going to be looking at hundreds, if not thousands of these a day and they want to see people that will stand out. I'm not saying that my way or my portfolio is particularly amazing and that it stands out from everyone else, but I do feel like I was able to tell my story through the kinds of things that I put on my portfolio. So anyway, getting back into what I actually have on there, I have different tabs on my portfolio website that lead to different things, and if you're on a computer while listening to this podcast episode, you might as well hop onto my portfolio website to follow along as I explain why I have what I have on there. So the tabs that I've included on my portfolio website are portfolio, work, editorial, press, podcast, flats, resume, about, and contact me. And I'll kind of get into each one, but I just wanted to preface by saying that you can have as many or as little tabs as you want to organize your work. Those are just some of the ones that have actually worked out really well for me, so that's why I have those specific ones on there. So the first two are portfolio and work, which kind of go hand in hand. The portfolio section for for me is just what, you know, what it sounds like. It's kind of a breakdown of all of my past projects. And when you click on each one project, it leads to a more detailed page about each project, including, you know, process pictures, a description of what the project was about and sketches and stuff like that. Um, I like to keep it in this format so that whoever is on my website can go and view whatever project they feel like browsing The second tab being work is just a kind of gallery of images that I've put together and it's kind of like a mosaic of images of all of my work that looks pretty aesthetically pleasing together. So people can click on any image that they like and it'll lead them back to those project descriptions that I was talking about earlier. 
I don't know how I came up with this kind of format, but I think I saw someone do it a while back when I was looking for inspiration for my own portfolio website. And that's another tip I have. Definitely look around at your favorite creators and see what they're doing on their websites that you might want to include on your own. It's not copying because they don't own that format, so don't feel bad if you like how someone's showcasing their work and you want to do the same, you know, to each its own. So the next section is my editorial section, and obviously some of you may not have a section like this if it doesn't apply to your own work, but as some of you may know, I've been really getting into journalism, and I'm even taking a fashion journalism class currently at Parsons. So what I like to do with that section is to showcase some of my pieces that I've written and that have been published. So I have some of my writing published on CFDA.com, which is pretty major for me. So I just screenshotted those articles and put them on there for anyone looking to hire me for, you know, like journalistic purposes, I guess. Or if I'm applying to a journalism internship, it's nice to have on there so they can see that. I also haven't gotten around to doing this yet, but I'm working on putting some of my journalism classwork on there because... I wrote some articles in that class that I'm super proud of and just want to showcase. Another tip would be don't be afraid to show off process work or even your classwork. You know, not everything has to be so polished and finished. In fact, I get a lot from professionals that say that they want to see more process work rather than, you know, just the finished product. After editorial, I have my press section. Now, this is also a section that I honestly just recently added to my portfolio. I've been seeing people who are more established include a section where they show press mentions and obviously I don't have any articles written about me in like Vogue or Fashionista.com but I have mentioned but I have been mentioned in a couple of articles here and there so I just wanted to kind of showcase that and include them in my portfolio website as well. That's kind of like my version of press right now because I'm still in the beginning stages of my career and haven't been featured in anything big yet but I am proud of what's on there so I just keep it that way. Next, we have my podcast tab, which of course I had to include. I decided to give my podcast its own tab in my portfolio space because it's a project that I'm really proud of and needless to say, I wanted to showcase it on my portfolio because it's a big part of me and my work. Actually, it's really funny because the other day I got an email from one of my professors that he found my website and my podcast and that just reassured me that having my podcast information on there was a good idea from the start. I love how if people find my website through my Instagram or something, they are also able to find out more about my podcast and the kind of information that I put on here as well. But yeah, that's that and I'm just super proud of this podcast and the community that I've built on here. My next tab I have is called Flats. This one is really interesting and it's not something I normally see people have on their portfolios, but basically if you're not in fashion or if you're not familiar with what flats are, They are, in the industry, you know, known as a fashion technical drawing that shows a garment as if it were laid flat to display all seams, top stitching, hardware, and just any other design details. It's a skill that's really necessary in the industry, especially if you're in design. And over the recent years, I've just been getting really good at doing flats. A lot of my old professors and even my friends have told me that my flats are really on point, so I just thought I would display them in all of their glory on my portfolio website and just have a full tab for them so that people can see the extent of my work. It's definitely one of my strengths as a designer to draw flats, so I like to remind myself of that by keeping them separate in my portfolio. Not to toot my own horn, but I do think that they are pretty good and quite industry-level looking, so I don't know. I'm definitely not the best, but I do try to be close to that. And finally, because I feel like I've been talking about, you know, my portfolio website for hours, 
I do have a tab for my resume about me page and my contact me page. Um, I also don't see a lot of people who include their resume on their website, but I just wanted my website to be like a one-stop shop of all of my information. So I provided a tab for where my future employers could easily have access to it just in case, you know, there's a rare occasion where I forget to send my resume or something, which honestly would never happen, but still. And then the about me page or my contact page are just kind of self-explanatory, but if there are two things you should have in your portfolio website, it should be those two. They're just important if people want to know more about you as a person or even want to contact you about work slash collaborations. Another important factor, I do link to my Instagram and LinkedIn on my website as well. The LinkedIn is like a no-brainer, but I do my Instagram for pretty much for the fun of it. I'm just proud of the curation of images I have on my Instagram, so I don't mind sharing my account with people who want to follow along with what I'm showing on there. And that's pretty much it for my portfolio. I say that and then I pretty much just spent the past 10 minutes talking about it. But guys, everyone does their portfolio differently and everyone has their own preferences on how they want to show their work. So you don't necessarily have to follow the format that I did it in. I don't spend too much time on my portfolio because like I said before, not many people really ask for it from me. So I don't, you know, pay like a crazy amount of attention to making it look fancy or anything or hiring a graphic designer to code it, you know, all that kind of jazz. It's simply just some really easy formatting from Squarespace that I thought looked minimal and clean enough to be presentable. Over the past few weeks, I've been getting some DMs from you guys about your desire for me to do an episode about portfolios because um, some of you might be in the process of making your own or are applying to things where you need a portfolio. So I'm definitely here for you guys and providing you guys with this in-depth episode on how to do so. But as for what kinds of stuff to put into your portfolio, it really is all up to you. Um, I know that sounds like a total cop-out, but it's so true. Even when I was putting together my portfolio in the beginning, I watched multiple videos on what to include and for tips and tricks on YouTube. But in the end, I found that I didn't really take much of other people's advice because I was dealing with my own work and you know your own work best. There are definitely some pieces of advice that I can definitely offer you guys on a more general point of view. Especially when you're considering what work to put in your own portfolio, I think it's good to show a large breadth of work and something you'll hear from literally everyone and all of the design schools and professors that are looking at your portfolios, but it's really honestly so true. You never want to be a one-trick pony. You want to show people that you are capable of doing many things. So even though I'm specifically focused on design, I really didn't hold back in including, you know, all kinds of things in my portfolio. Like I mentioned before, I had a section for editorials that I've written for CFDA.com and I also have my podcast on there. So that is one of the biggest things. Um, Another thing is to include mostly recent work. All of my work I have in my portfolio are fairly recent and within one year. So if anyone were to ask me about the specific projects that I have in there, I could explain them, you know, in detail without any hesitation because they're so fresh in my mind. I know this may be hard for some people who maybe don't have that much recent work to show. So in that specific case, I would say then yes, do put some of your old work. But for the most part, the more recent, the better. Just on a general note, don't be afraid to gas yourself up in your portfolio, guys. I gave the same piece of advice when dealing with resumes, but I find that a lot of people shy out when it comes to their portfolios and resumes. And this is really the time for you to shine and show what you can do. So... Don't be shy in including as many photos, images, you know, process photos, sketches, whatever you want to include to really make your work stand out. Do the whole nine yards and don't hold back. 
And unlike a resume that should stay under one page at all times, a portfolio can be however long you want it to be, basically, because no one's going to call you out for that. Going back to if you are someone who doesn't have that much work to show, that's no problem. Just gas up the old work that you have or any work that you have at all. And when I say gas up, I mean gas up, like really go in depth with those old pieces to make it seem like you have more work experience than you really do. I mean, that's my trick um, and what I did when I was first starting out and didn't have that much professional work to show. I'm just realizing that a lot of the tips for portfolio making is really similar to putting together a resume. So, you know, use those two together. But yeah, I'm definitely not that girl from a couple of years ago who didn't see the point in having a portfolio. I never look at my own portfolio as being ever completely done. I definitely in the future want to keep working on it and improving it to make it more professional, but for right now, I think what I have is good for what I do and the point that, you know, I'm at in life. Everyone's different, so just, you know, kind of make that decision for yourself. I think that's about it for this episode on portfolio building. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and to hit that follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. If you have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear them. Before I sign off, I just wanted to remind you guys that have the ability to vote, to get out there and vote. It's so important and we have to make our voices heard. I voted early last Friday and it was a really amazing experience, especially this being my first presidential election. I was waiting online in the rain for 25 minutes, but every second was worth it. But anyway, love you guys always and see you on the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.